0: It's good to be back for another year of Sheerim, looking at the Torah and seeing what we can learn from it. So, we're going to start with a nice word on Pashos Noyach. The Rechstivke Rebbe, Zangazint, of Maref Yishlami, brings Namuris Tahoris, a word that he heard from his Shvev, that the Sarshulim from Belz came to the Rebbe Lublin, the first time, the Chose Lublin. And the Chose Lublin told him about the Rasha. Rashi says this week that Noyach was a Mamen Va'ina Mamen. Right? The Push Bashat means that he believed and he didn't believe. So he explained that even if somebody tells you you're a tzaddik, um, you shouldn't believe him. And even if a tzaddik tells you that you're a tzaddik, you still shouldn't believe him. And even if the tzaddik hador, the biggest tzaddik, tells you you're a tzaddik, you shouldn't believe him either. Even if a malach tells you you're a tzaddik, you shouldn't believe him. And if Hashem himself, HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself, will tell you that you're a tzaddik, you should only believe him. Well, Hashem, you have to believe. And if you're hearing it straight from him, I guess that's also a sign that you might be a tzaddik. But you should only believe it that second. Hashem said, I'm a tzaddik. Okay, I must be. But maybe now I'm not anymore. The next minute you should again doubt yourself. And you shouldn't be so uh, confident that you're still a tzaddik. Even though you heard it from Hashem. You only heard it a minute ago. You didn't hear it now. That's what he told to so The Chalizah the of Lablin explained with this the Kabuna of Rashi. Rashi is saying that Noyak was a mammon Va a mammon. Hashem had told him, Hashem himself told him, ki isi tzadik You're a tzadik, Noach. You're the biggest tzadik in the generation, maybe the only tzadik. And Noach believed it, because he heard it from Hashem, but va'ein a minute later, he was already unsure if that's really, uh, if, if it's still true, and he's a tzadik. And when the Choyz of Leblim finished saying that, he told the the Belzeru, the Sashulim, and you're a tzadik. Um, you know, definitely, a big lesson for all of us, although I don't think anyone is expecting to hear a malach or even a tzaddik, and certainly not Hashem telling them clearly that they're a tzaddik. But it's interesting how the two sides of the coin—the mam and vayne are very often um, both so important, and the balance between the mam and vayne is so important. On the one hand, Chazal teaches us: a person shouldn't believe in himself, shouldn't be overly confident, he shouldn't believe that he'll that he'll keep on doing good even if he's already doing good. On the other hand, if a person you know doesn't see the good in himself, and a person. Um, he can't believe in himself and a person to, you know can't be confident with, with whatever he, he does have, whatever he does uh, whatever he did achieve, whatever Hashem did give him. That's obviously, obviously also a problem. A person could, could become Sabrachan very quickly. And chazal teaches a person should always say, a person should Right? What's that? If not if not that I must be very important at least. And if you don't believe in what you do, how could you continue doing the good? If it's anyway, nothing, and I'm anyway not achieving anything, I'm anyway not becoming a tzaddik And this is a lesson that you know the Surah teaches. A person should both believe in himself and question himself at the same time. I think that's also very uh, well explained by the balance of mammon Va'ina mammon. Believe in the good that you've done. Believe in the good that you've accomplished, that Hashem helped you accomplish. Believe in all your potential and still don't be overly confident and be ready to find that, uh, be self-critical and self-doubting and understand where you could do things better. And, and don't get all or none. That, 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 that balance of not seeing only good in yourself or only bad in yourself It's something that very many people are missing. So with that, let me address a question. A bit of a a long question. Um, But the person who sent it probably is waiting long enough uh, to give some attention to a longer question over here. (coughs) Okay, dear, by growing. As many of you writers write to you, I have in the past few weeks really enjoyed your on Torah anytime. It started because I was searching for that's toy reviews and ideas how to raise our children, especially the boys, in the world of Internet, TV, and social media with everything in a person's palm. I've been trying to compose an email to you because I feel very lost in my life. The problem is that I have so many directions I want to go and things I want to ask, but most of my problems stem from my low self-esteem, which is why I never found a rabbi to connect with and get direction and guidance from. Obviously, my low self-esteem has affected many aspects of my life, and to delve into it in an email would be overwhelming and impossible. Even just to describe my marriage and family life without background on me would not help, I don't think. so. As an initial Initial email, I will ask questions about myself and not my marriage. Okay, so as I stated, I have a very low self esteem and poor self value image of myself. A lot of it has to do with different areas of religious observance, and maybe some of it has to do with what my mom told me when I was young about trust, which caused me to have trust issues, especially with my wife. I have tried to work on my self image in many ways, but myself by myself, and even tried going to a program. In one of your shiurim, you mentioned that if everyone is saying something about you, it might be true. Well, at the program, a few people who were teaching me, the people who were teaching me to use a tactic of self-confirmation statements, saying I am something positive, had a hard time with it because I felt like I was lying to myself and could not understand how this would work, and I started to argue, in quotes. At least that's how they saw it. I thought I was just trying to clarify myself. In truth, I do believe that people think I like to argue just for the sake of arguing, or being stubborn, and in truth, sometimes I do. I know it's bad. In fact, at one point in our marriage, my anger management was so out of hand that my wife forced me to speak to someone. I blew that opportunity because of my stubbornness and arguing, to be truthful. I, to be truthful, I also think that the person's approach was not what I was looking for, or right for me. I believe I was proven right because after the therapist broke it off, I had another blow-up, and my wife... Okay, I'm not going to go into all the gory details here. Um, and I turned to the therapist and asked in a passive-aggressive way, Something about how he can help me, etc. Okay, so talking about different uh, therapists and approaches, which I am not going to go into the details. I am not sure how to transition to the next part, but I believe also that I know how to act in most situations, especially when it comes to my wife and children, due to the fact that after my mistakes and when I got back together I an- and and w- and analyze what happened, most of the time I know what I should have done. But I find in the moment very hard to take take the deep breath and allow for the space between stimulus. And response. I also get down in valleys based on how I'm behaving religiously or my relationship or my relationships with one affecting the other negatively. I get trapped in these valleys for different amounts of time until either I find a Jewish date to springboard off, or just hit rock bottom and wake up. I've no idea what or even where or what my question is, but I do know that I need help. Maybe my question is how to implement strategies to improve my self esteem, be more trustful in relationships, or not get lost in the valleys for long periods of time. As you see, I don't even know how to ask a question properly. I'm not even sure if you're the right person to ask as you deal with marriages and finish, but as I mentioned, these issues are affecting my marriages, my marriage and how I raise my children. Thank you for your time. Okay. So, there's definitely a lot uh, said in that letter, and only so much that we can really address over here in the shiur together, uh, something that's been relevant and helpful for the public. Let me let me start off by saying that, Baksham, this is a new year of shiurim, and... You know, always try to make things just a little bit better and one of the feedbacks that I've been getting from people I don't know if it's coming because this is people's the, the people, my listeners' ideas or because people hear me do it on another share in the Komovasa shir I always end off with a summary of the different points that we spoke about so I'm going to try to summarize at the end of each share the few points that we mentioned very very briefly just you know for those who either heard it in bits and pieces and didn't get the whole thing or those who want to remember what was spoken about um, This shiurim I'm saying this now in regard to the question over here, questions or letter. Um, as you mentioned, this shurim I see as a platform of discussing Shalom and Chenech. I call it relationships. Um, when it comes to personal help, you know that's usually not what I'm discussing, and that's why I'll always pick up on the parts of a letter or a question that do have more to do with the relationship aspect than the personal help. Interestingly, relationships are the same. There's many similarities, let's say, between your relationship with your children and your spouse and your siblings and your workmates. There's so much that's really the same, so much of the the same rules of communication, rules of relationships apply all over. Of course, they have to be applied correctly. When it comes to the relationship with yourself and the relationship with other people, which basically means uh, personal help and interpersonal help, things are very different. And, you know, I I don't see myself to be an expert, let's call it, uh, when it comes to personal help. I'm not a therapist, I don't help people with, uh, I, I generally don't help people with personal struggles, be it uh, anxiety, OCD, or, or things like that, when, when it comes to emotional health, although people do come to me for this as well, and I, I try my best. The reason I'm saying this is both because I'm going to try to address a lot of the relationship part, and then I'll share some ideas about the personal part as well, but I might, I might not be the right person for this, because first of all. On the other hand, you might sometimes get more help from somebody who you're close to and somebody you trust and respect, um, regardless of their level of expertise or experience in a certain field. And it's also something to take into account when looking for help in general. So if you're turning to me because you like my ideas and you like the way I, I present things, then I'll try my best to help you. Maybe you'll find help in it. And I'm saying this because you've been to this therapist and that therapist, and sometimes... What you need is a mentor, or a guide, or a dashtoyer, or a rav, or a relative, or somebody that you connect with and respect what they say. That that might be what does it. I don't know. I'm just uh, mentioning that. So let me start by saying that when you when you mumble jumble everything together in a letter, it gets a little confusing. Not because not because I'm confused. I can take it apart and address each point separately, but because I'm I'm afraid that you might be confused. And this is the first thing that I think is very important to address. One of the things I like mentioning when people write about shonbai and Chinuch, is that you should never mix shonbai and Chinuch. don't mix them even if the same ideas that might help you shonbai might help your as well but don't mix the two which means that if you have a Ba'is problem and your relationship with your spouse is not the greatest don't let it roll over into a, become a Chinuch problem and now your children are going to struggle because they're growing up in a home with this conflict between the parents same as the other way around if you're struggling with a child, whatever, obnoxious behavior or whatever, uh, Yiddish Kaidish or whatever it is, don't let that turn into a Sean Biles problem. If you and your wife really have a good relationship, keep it isolated and, and don't mix the two. And unfortunately, it's sad when people you know, turn one to the other and then there's one big mess that, that didn't have to be there. The reason why I'm saying this is because similarly, when it comes to personal and interpersonal problems, there's also where people often mix the two. When somebody's struggling, and I understand why they mix, I understand how they mix, I understand that they mix because they're both emotional, and you and the people around you are all living together, but sometimes when you just try to really understand what's going on, am, am I struggling with myself, or am I struggling with someone else? Do I have a low self-esteem, and I'm just not a happy person, and things are bothering me, and I have to find a way out of it, or is it somebody else is getting on my nerves? It, the answer might be both, but sometimes when you think into it, you realize it's not both. Sometimes people are struggling with a relationship and it makes them feel bad about themselves and they're looking for all kinds of personal help and personal therapy and growth and programs without realizing, you know, when I think about it, I'm really doing just fine. In every other aspect of my life, in my personal life and other relationships as well, I'm doing fine. So who said I have to go to a, a class on, on, on confidence or self-esteem and, and other things if, if I just have to learn how to deal with this difficult relationship? Maybe it's not a personal issue. And that's also where people get confused and they, and they don't know how to, you know... Um, 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 differentiate and compartmentalize and, and deal with things the way they are. There was a good line I saw this week in a magazine. I was actually I had a mind to say it in the other shir, which I'll be talking on a different topic in, in the Yiddish shir. But somebody wrote something about, about relationships, I think it was, that if somebody's uh, mistreating you or, or not being nice to you, it means their shoes are too small. Which basically means that, you know, that somebody's pinching their toes, they're uncomfortable, and they're giving it out on you it's a very important idea for people to know when they're being abused by somebody or bullied by somebody or mistreated by somebody, you know, that person's in pain. Very important, a very common idea that people talk about often. Just to interpret correctly, when somebody's mistreating you, it's because they're in pain. It's not because they don't like you. It's not because you necessarily did something wrong. Often, it's just because they're uncomfortable. Sometimes it's important to, take, to turn that lesson around and realize that when you're mistreating someone else, it might be because you're uncomfortable. Think about it. It might be that you're not being respectful to somebody or you're, being, or, or you're being nasty to someone who you think might have done something wrong to you without realizing that the reason why you're responding that way and the reason why you're interpreting it that way might have to do with the fact that, that you're uncomfortable. And it's just important for people to realize that. Now, like I said, of course, everything, everything in life is intertwined. And your emotions on a personal level and the emotions that, that, you, that you experience in your relationships get all mixed together. But sometimes when you just break it down, it, it definitely um, helps make sense out of things and find some direction. That's a very important thing. Now, step two after compartmentalizing and realizing what's what is to now deal with things separately. On an interpersonal level, and again, I know that most of your question wasn't so much about your marriage and your children, but when you think about it, it's not enough for a person to realize that, oh, I might talk mistreating people around me because I'm not feeling good about myself. It's It's good to know it. And some people... Some people will never acknowledge it or admit it to themselves unless they really have to. I see many people that unfortunately were only able to admit it when they had to. Had to means that the second they were afraid of either losing their marriage or, or afraid of other consequences, that's when they said, you know what, I, I really I, I, you're right. I shouldn't have done it that way. It's sad when it comes to that. But sometimes people will acknowledge it to themselves, but they won't they won't admit it. Sometimes people are brave enough to admit it and say, you know, I'm struggling, and I think that I'm very anxious and I'm unhappy, and maybe that's why I'm behaving a certain way. Sometimes sometimes people are even more brave and maybe more confident or more honest, and they'll even apologize and ask forgiveness because of it. But even just to admit to yourself and then to somebody around you, I'm not feeling good. It's it's very possible that you didn't mean anything, and it's even more possible that I shouldn't have uh, reacted that way, it was totally out of bounds, and it could be just because I'm not feeling good. I, I admit that I'm not feeling good. Admitting to something is definitely is definitely a game-changer. And it's never too late. Sometimes people, and one of the things you're asking is, you know, in the moment I lose myself and then I realize what I should have done. It's never too late to come back. And either, if you're brave enough to say the words, I'm sorry, I was wrong, or if not, just to explain that you understand now, in hindsight, what happened and, and why it shouldn't have been that way and, and how your emotions took you over. It's everything. And sometimes people are always, you know it happened already, it's past that, we, we got over it, we got over it means that I don't want to go back and, and acknowledge it, but, but very often you, 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 won't, you won't regret owning up and saying, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have behaved that way, I apologize. It, it was my own issue, it was my own uh, message. It doesn't mean that the other person was right. It doesn't mean that the other person did the right thing. But it doesn't mean that you, and like I said, sometimes people won't acknowledge it, sometimes people don't have to, but if you're telling me and you're writing this and it sounds like you do know and many people know, that they have their own issues and their own low self-esteem and their own trust issues and their own whatever, and afterwards they do realize what happened. I'm talking to the people who, who acknowledge that. If you could say it, that's everything. Interesting, Rashi, last week, Rashi said, um, when Hashem asked Udav Nishnah, where's your brother? He asked them, Kain, where's your brother Hevel? So Rashi explains, ima Hashem obviously knew what happened, but he was you know, trying to get into a conversation, uh, let's call it Kav with Kain, why? And Rashi adds the words, Maybe he'll get him to say, Hashem, I killed him, and I did the wrong thing. It doesn't say what would have happened after that. It doesn't say how much chive um, or what kind of ticket he would have needed. But Hashem was, was giving him the chance to just just own up and say, I did the wrong thing. I, just say, I did the wrong thing. That's all you have to do. And, there, and that's a big lesson, because you know if that's, if that's the way Hashem is teaching us how something should have happened, at least for starters... It's 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 very big. My point is that even if on an emotional level you're struggling too much, and in the moment, at least for the meantime, in the moment you don't have what it takes always to do the right thing and treat the people around you the right way. At least if you're telling me that you do know afterwards what should have happened, and and, and you could say it, it's a very very important thing. I, I know many people who will tell me um, that they know they did something wrong, but they won't be able to tell to a spouse. I, I know people have shared with me um, how they saw somebody take notes or writing to themselves or journaling without going into the discussion of if it's right or wrong to look at what someone else wrote privately. But people will write to themselves. I know I shouldn't have done that. I'm ashamed of what I did, but I can't say it because then he'll think because then she'll think. If you did something wrong and you know it and you're brave enough to say it, again, especially if you're struggling personally and, and it's not on purpose, there's nothing vicious, no no, no bad intentions, and you can say it and make someone else feel good, just just that they know that you realize that you have an issue, and it's okay. We're all only human. That's on an interpersonal level very important, and it's a good way of compartmentalizing the personal struggles from the interpersonal. And it's not easy. It's not easy. Now, most of your letter uh, was about your personal struggles. So let me give some ideas about that. Um, and I'm just going to go into a few a few points based on based on what you're, uh, based on what you wrote. First of all perspective in general is so relative there's so many ways to see the same thing there's so many ways to see the same thing not just same ideas or same concepts it's the same situation same relationship same, same person two people looking at the same person and see something totally different it's a perspective it's an opinion it's all relative and it's no right or wrong one person could see a person as, as, as doing a good thing one person could see him as doing a bad thing one person will see him as having good intentions bad intentions and it's not so much well this one knows the truth it's all relative. It's all relative. One of the people who often has the most um, distorted perspective and perception is the person himself. We're all so subjective that when we look at ourselves, we see one thing and somebody else looking and sees another thing. Now, it is possible sometimes the person looking from the outside is not seeing the right thing. I, happen, I, I certainly know myself better than many people know me. I, I, I certainly know my intentions and my sincerity and my whatever else better than a lot of people. And I also have to acknowledge that many people might know it better than me too. The people that are very close to me, the people that are observing me, the people that are seeing it uh, often enough. I, there might be people who know me better than I know myself. So it's always easy to say, yeah, but, but I know the truth, but, but nobody knows what's going on in my mind. Sometimes you don't even know what's going on in your mind, sometimes it's all, you know, it's, it's all that subconscious um, spiel of self-justification and, and whatever else. It's just something to think about. So you're writing to me that... Um, you know, People see you as being argumentative and, 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 and they see you as being stubborn and then you actually put in the words and, and I am sometimes. You happen to admit and agree and realize that you are sometimes. And what if you wouldn't have agreed or admitted or realized that? It doesn't mean it's not true. And that's the point that you mentioned that you heard from me. Sometimes people will um, not realize something about themselves and when other people tell it to them it's important to, uh, to take it seriously. One of the lines my father used to always say when I was a kid um, if you see elephants on the Palisades, pull over to the, to, the, to the side of the road and take a nap. Which is similar to the idea of if a hundred people tell you you're drunk, you go to sleep. But I didn't drink. It doesn't matter if you drank. If a hundred people are telling you you're drunk, go to sleep. B- but they don't know. It, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you just have to realize that there are things going on that don't, look that don't look a certain way to you, but that's really what's going on. You don't think you're tired. You don't think you're drunk. But certain things have to, have to make you consider that that maybe. And that's something that when it comes to other people's opinions about you, and you're hearing things about yourself, it's always easy to say, yes, but. I understand why they're saying it, but what they don't realize is, yeah, but maybe what you don't realize is. And it's not easy. It's not easy for somebody to take seriously something that's so against what he's thinking. You know, what he personally is experiencing, because he, because he feels that, he knows it best. Anyway, this is just... Uh, in general, you're talking about words like argue and clarify. You know, They think I'm trying to argue, I'm really just trying to clarify. Argue is a relative term, and clarify is a relative term. And it's definitely helpful when people could be either more honest with themselves, or at least take seriously what other people are telling them. I also remember seeing what somebody wrote to themselves about the relationship, and it was almost scary to see how little of what was written there they would have admitted to somebody else. And even when it was being told to them, it was being told to them time and again, and they really knew it. And they really knew it. And they were writing it. They were admitting it on a paper. And they were ending off writing. I can't admit this to anyone. It's too hard for me. And I just have to go on with my life. Sometimes we don't realize how we could really write all that. And we know the truth. And, and especially when we hear it, that's when we argue with it and we get more stubborn about it. Uh, like little kids do sometimes when you tell them, you know, you, I, I know you took the cookie. I didn't. And by the time you say it the sixth time and you saw him take it, he already convinced himself he didn't take it. And it's very sad when people fall into that trap. So that's, that's something that uh, is, is always worth I'm taking it seriously. Now, in general, personal help, personal growth is extremely important. And we all have what to work on. We all have what to do in this world. We all have challenges. We all have shortcomings. It's, it's a shame for anyone to, first of all, think that it's only them, and then get, you know, it's a clap. To, oh, how come I have to do all this hard work nobody else does? Everybody does. It's a shame for a person to, to become hopeless and say, you know, I'm trying so hard already, nothing worked, and I'm, I'm just giving up. there's a lot of things that are a shame but yes if a person realizes that they have something that they could do better and you pursue it and you try your best and you keep on trying if something didn't work you try something else if a program didn't work you try something else if if something you came up with on your own didn't work but you keep on trying you don't give up that's what what life's struggle is about now you happen to sound pretty self-aware and you know what you have to do which many people don't yet if you do and the fact that it's hard we have to do hard things in life part of personal growth is doing what's hard Very many people come to me and talk about problems that they have, whether in a relationship or personally, and I could hear from the question, they know exactly what they have to do, they're basically just looking for the person who could either make it easier for them to do, or come up with an easier solution to do, and it might not be. There might not be such a thing. There might not be such an option. I tell people, listen, you know what you got to do, I can make it easier for you. I can give you chizik, I can give you support, I can give you some ideas, I can try to be creative, but if you're looking for something that's going to make it creative enough that it's actually easy to do, you might not ever find that acknowledging it and being ready to roll up your sleeves and doing what's hard, you know, that's, that's um, very often very very important. There's another idea, based on what you're writing here, of running away too soon from something working. This therapist and that program and another therapist, now I know there's an idea of clicking with a therapist, and I know there's an idea of finding the right thing that matches, and there's also an idea of people who literally run from one to the next and they're just looking for somebody to either validate them or make them feel good or come up with an easy solution. And the second it becomes too hard or too challenging or too critical, they run away. And there's no commitment. And it's a common, everyone knows that. Eh? Everyone knows that there are people that have done, that do this and, and have done that. And, and you should try to make sure that you're not falling into that trap of looking for the person to click with, essentially really just looking for something that, that's not too hard or, or, or not too uh, challenging for yourself. I do think that aside from a therapist and aside from any kind of professional help like I started off with, you need a mentor or a guide or somebody who could care for you and be close to you and could monitor your progress in therapy and tell you when it's time to change therapists or tell you, you know, what, what you're doing right or wrong, or where you should be, putting more efforts. Sometimes aside from anyone who's actually doing the work with you, you need somebody just to be there for you and, and help you along and give you some kind of direction about where to go. Another very important thing when it comes to this kind of personal help is to appreciate of um, small growth and small accomplishments, small achievements. Very many people are dealing with problems and struggles that are big, and the small steps and the small achievements you know, aren't significant enough to notice the changes or to appreciate them, and they either get hopeless or they just look for someone else who can give them the, the big answer. Now, the big answer might be accumulative of a lot of little steps. I think that's what we all have to uh, realize. I think people who got anywhere in life, even if they didn't get to the places they wanted to get... but the the people who appreciate it and were brave enough to take those small steps and small accomplishments. Now, I know I I spoke very general now. I wasn't going into the examples that you gave so much because I don't think that's relevant. I think it's important for people to understand what it means to help themselves personally and also how to make sure that the personal help they need doesn't roll over into um, the interpersonal and the relationships. I do want to mention another thing you you mentioned over here more than once about the religious uh, challenges and Yiddishkeit or whatever, relationship with Hashem and things like that. I don't know exactly what your struggles are. I do know that we all have them. All of us. Everyone. We're all struggling in certain aspects in our, in our avoidance Hashem. And that's really what uh, that's what life is all about. Some people more, some people less. Some people bigger challenges, smaller challenges. The ones that look bigger and look smaller. It doesn't make a difference. We're all trying to become closer to Hashem. And without Hashem in our life and without a relationship with Hashem nobody will be successful. At least no Jewish person or no Yid will be successful. That's how it is. That's the rules of the game. You can try to avoid it, you can try to make believe it doesn't exist. It's always going to hit you because that's the way Hashem wired us that we, we will never do well without Him. And cultivating a relationship with Hashem, and cultivating a, a relationship with serving Hashem, finding the places where we could strengthen and what we are capable of doing good and better and connecting with Hashem and talking to Hashem and believing in Hashem and, and bringing Him into our lives on a personal and interpersonal level is always something that's going to work. You don't have to be a big tzaddik for Hashem to love you or to serve Hashem. Um, And getting black and white all or none in Yiddishkeit is is also definitely a terrible thing. Um, There's an idea that I share often with Bukhren, boys that ask questions, uh, about cheshben and eifesh, right? A person's always supposed to make a cheshben, do some accounting, and realize where where he's holding, right? That's what we're taught. Very often when you try to get where you're holding, you're basically trying to mark yourself. Where am I holding? What's my mark? People make a lot of mistakes. First of all, they don't mark themselves correctly. Second of all, if you mark yourself too good, even when it's true, but especially when it's not true, you're defeating the purpose. The purpose of marking yourself and, and taking accounting of what you're holding in the words Hashem is not to feel good about yourself. Oh, so I'm doing good. Okay, Hashem, I'm sure you're happy. It's also not to give yourself too low a mark, again, especially when it's not true, but even when it is, and then get depressed. The point is not to have a mark. We don't know how to mark ourselves. Hashem knows how to mark us. The point is to take accounting and realize what is it that I can do better. What is it that I should be working on now? What is it that I should work to strengthen? What is it that I've, Baruch slowly, uh, finally achieved that I should really put in koichas to make sure I don't lose it? When you work that way and you work with small things and you cultivate that relationship with Hashem knowing this is what I'm working on. I'm not a tzaddik yet. I'm far from it. And I do have my challenges. And still, I'm committed and I'm focused and I know I'm driven. Bringing Hashem into your life will definitely make you much happier on a personal level and basically um, help you grow and, and achieve and overcome a lot of the struggles that you're dealing with with Hashem's help. And like we started off with, you know, being a mom and vine a mom. Knowing when to believe in yourself, when to strengthen yourself, when to work on your self-esteem, when to feel more confident, when to appreciate all the good that you have already and slowly feel better. And when to be a mom and when to be a little more self-critical, when to realize that the people around you probably didn't mean anything uh, bad, and that it might be your own issue. And knowing how to slowly, um, you know, lower your confidence when it comes to hurting other people and things like that. Uh, also a very, very important message that I think we could, all, we could all grow from. So with that, I think I'm just going to give the, the small summary. Point number one was knowing how to compartmentalize difficulties in your life from sholmais to chinach and from personal to interpersonal and just being um, um, aware and more honest in, in, what, in, in understanding what you're dealing with. Knowing how to treat the people around you well, even when you're struggling, and knowing how to own up, and knowing how to um, make sure it's not rolling over and becoming one big mess. And then knowing how to help yourself personally, knowing how to, how to go for help, how to get help, how to look for help, how to appreciate uh, growth, and, and, the, and, and then cultivating relationships with Hashem. And I think with that, in Mitz Hashem, the personal struggles uh, become easier, the relationships with the people around you, in become better. And myself, we could all live together and be happy. Help each other grow, live together.